This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. Before we go any further, you may have noticed that we have a new theme tune. We'd like to send a massive thank you to Tinty and the Bucket Hats for allowing us to use their latest single, Disco Land, as the theme for the pod. Please do support their work by buying their music. It does go towards supporting the charity Kidscape, which is an anti-bullying charity. With me tonight is uh, Ed Bridges and Ian Street. Evening. Hey, how you doing? Coming off a high on the weekend, um, 4-0 victory against Doncaster, living in dreamland, I think, weren't we? Um, I don't remember the last time we won 4-0. I don't think I've ever been there when we've won 4-0. I've been there for some 4-0 losses. Uh, Ian, should we start with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I have been there. For, it took me back to another sunny day last year, which was uh, Harrogate away. Well, we were 4-0 by half time, so even better. So, yeah, I've seen us do that. But it was a, it was a very pleasant turnaround from the opening week at Accrington, wasn't it? Where it was raining and it was a bit doom and gloom and suddenly the sun was shining and we, like, uh, we played like 1970s Brazil for a bit, didn't we? It was fabulous to watch. There is something about being 3-0 up at half-time. I mean, I, I had mentally prepared for most things going into that game. The one scenario for which I hadn't prepared was being 3-0 up at half-time and, and coasting. And I was saying to a mate that I, you probably get the most pleasure as a fan out of the games where it's backs against the wall and you come from 2-0 down to win 3-2 with the last kick of the game and all the rest of it. But to have like just a stress-free win like that on Saturday where you're 3-0 up at half time, the sun's out, everything's everything's good, everyone's in a good mood, um, was was lovely. The last 4-0 that I can remember was uh, was against our old friends from North Wales uh, in an FA Cup replay uh, a few a few years back. Um so yeah if we can repeat the feat when we play Wrexham later in the season I'll be delighted. But yeah I mean as Ian said it was a fantastic overall team performance, some good goals, never a Never really looked threatened at all. I mean, I know we were like 2 0 up within 15 minutes or whatever it was, but at no point did Doncaster ever even threaten to try and make a game of it. It was just very straightforward. So, yeah, um, it, it may well be the only time this season that we win a game 4 0. But I think just as a way to kick some of the doubters into touch for a bit and just make us go, okay, it's not going to be an easy season, but there are going to be moments of joy. There are going to be moments where we can feel confident and self-assured. I think, yeah, that will see us through a few difficult games to come. Yeah, we were 3-0 up within uh, 20 minutes. At one point, I think the crowd went kind of quiet. They didn't know what to do (laughs) because we we weren't anticipating being... (laughs) 
comfortably in the lead after 20 minutes. And like you said, they, they never really threatened. Um, we got our first glimpse at home, at least, of the strike partnership of Will Evans and Seb Palmer Holden. That seemed to work really well. They're both hardworking, physical players. And, you know, we said Will Evans needed to add goals to his game. That's kind of the bit of his all-around game he was missing. And he, he took his goals quite nicely on the weekend. Uh, what did you make of the strike partnership, Ed? They are both clearly very much Cochrane sort of players. The high press is obviously the the string we've kind of added to our bow a little bit this season, and they both have the industry and the physicality to do that really uh, effectively. And yeah, I thought Tara Palmer Tomkinson, or, or you know whatever we whatever nickname we're assigning to him, um, I thought he looked really good, big physical unit, but um, worked extremely hard as well. Um, and you saw it with that first goal, you know, the uh, he put pressure on the defender, forced the defender into a mistake high up the pitch and then, yeah, got his got his reward for it. Um, I think, yeah, they're a good partnership. Um, I did cheekily sort of question, you know, will, will Bogle get back into this team with those two performing so well? But it's a nice problem to have. And I thought it was really interesting after the game, Will Evans in his press uh, interview said, you know, he really wants to show what he can do as a striker. He's happy to play wherever he's put. And, you know, if that means left wing, back or whatever then that's what he'll do but he sees himself as a striker and if you can start scoring goals with some regularity as he now has been this season then then great um I think yeah we we said last season it was a little bit about confidence hopefully now that's flowing and we'll we'll see some more from him yeah I, I think the only thing to add really was that the thing that I like the look of Seb as a player that's we've we've often talked about people who come alone taking can take a good few months to settle but he looks he he looks the best, doesn't he? He, he? Like I said, said he's not he's not afraid straight away to get involved with the physical stuff that you sometimes need to at, at, at our level. And um, we got off to this we got off to this flyer, didn't we? Against Donny, could have got off to a flyer against Accrington as well. I mean, Seb blazed it over the bar in the first six minutes at Accrington. But again, they always say a mark of a, a, a so a good striker, isn't it? You know, you got to keep missing, haven't you? To, to to you know, not be afraid to sort of take it on and have another go. So I like the look of him, and yeah, they put themselves about. You know, that effort across the park from one to eleven was pretty phenomenal, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. So we talked about what the the next stages of uh, Cochrane's football would be, and we've seen a change in shape against Cheltenham and again against Doncaster. So we've gone to a four at the back. The combination seemed to work really well with Delaney and Jameson as the centre halves. Um, one thing I really liked was uh, Wildig, especially running beyond the strikers from midfield. Yeah. Last season, we didn't get a lot of that. And there was um, a nice couple of one-twos where the midfielder broke beyond the strikers. And that gives us a bit more of a threat than we from midfield than we maybe previously had last year. That was something I really liked to see. Um, Ed, how do you think the uh, the partnerships worked? And do you think this is the the next evolution of the the style? I think it remains to be seen whether we stick with this four at the back or go, you know, revert to our kind of five three two. I think there it may be a bit of forces for courses as the season goes on. Um I like Wildig uh in midfield. I think this will be the season where he really shows us what he can do. You know, injuries and stuff prevented that last season. But I thought his goal against Charlton midweek was uh was immaculate, you know, really Clever, patient, picked his spot, you know, really classy finish. Um, I thought he did well again on Saturday for the reasons that, that you've set out. So I think what he can offer in midfield is great. And I think the, the counterpoint to that is Bryn Morris and Harry Charsley, who, you know, their industry and, um, closing down and tackling means that he then has that bit of space to, um, to do the, the more creative stuff. And then, yeah, like you, I thought Jameson played well. I think Delaney looked a very, very assured presence at the back. So I was impressed by him. I mean, it's one of those games where you almost don't want to take too much from it because everyone impressed and inevitably there will be inconsistencies over the season. Um, but I think, yeah, all the partnerships seem to work well. Um, I can only see that improving as as things go on. But, you know... Like I say, there will be mistakes, there will be inconsistencies, there will be poor runs of form. But I think it's nice this early on to see what they are capable of, even if they maybe can't quite hit those levels every week. I'm not a fan of three or five at the back and, and never have been. Whether that's whether that's purely because of my age and being old school and liking four at the back, it could be that. But I, whenever we, I've seen us play and there any manager play with the three at the back, I always feel that our centre-backs, and we've discussed this before, haven't we, Reece, that, that, that 
that the centre back can get pulled out of position and we can look a little bit more a little bit more ragged when people go down the sides at us. I think the way that that, that we lined up on Saturday with that four at the back and then add four in midfield, not a not a winger type four, four solid people in the middle where you can play, you know, you can they, they can play like as a box, bring the box back. They can play as a diamond, which I think they were doing quite a bit of on the on the on Saturday, there's a bit more flexibility there and a bit more solidity. And I think that that came out really well. I think that when we have just the three in there, they can be overrunning midfield too easily. We haven't got that big tackler in there. So I, I like it. I, I like four at the back. And then I like, I like how that Bennett and you know Morris can sit if they want. You've got Charles's legs and then, and then Wilding, as you say, I think Wilder can play at a better level than than we're at. You know, I could I could easily see him playing at League One, and I think that we've got a little bit of a you know a bit of a diamond there that we haven't been able to see the best of. And I think that if we can get him on the pitch regularly, his touches, his vision, his calmness, as you were saying, Ed, you know, those little one twos you were you were talking about, Reese, that he was involved in a lot of that, allowing you know that runner to come up to him, play the ball off him. You know, there's some nice stuff there, so I would be keen for us. I agree, Ed, that we'll probably have to swap and change as we go through the season, but I like a four at the back, and I think it gives us more options going forward and a bit more flexibility for me. Yeah, we're almost back in the box. Not quite. Um, I think you're right that it's a, it's a 4 4 2 diamond that I'm kind of setting up in, but I also thought when we were out of possession, we almost were going to two holding players. Um, and then yeah. two pressing actively, so it's quite that that midfield four seems to operate quite flexibly, whether we have the ball or not. It was like you say, Ed. It was a very impressive performance, but it's hard to get too many takeaways. Has um has this result changed your your thoughts on the season? Personally, I think we had a a good performance at Accrington, even though the result maybe flattered them a little bit. We then had a good performance against Charlton, and we had a good performance and a good result. Uh, again against Doncaster, to me that if we're getting good performances and the results will come if you're getting good performances, I'm hopeful that we'll um, we'll do all right this season. I mean, I'm I'm going to come back to something I said in the pre-season pod, which is we've got to keep our foot to the gas in these first five or six games because it gets a lot tougher after that. You know, Accrington came down from the third division last season. Doncaster, I think, were not that far away from where we were um, last year. Crew were down our end of the table. Boris Green obviously came down. Who else we got? We got Sutton, Wimbledon then the week after that. These are teams who, you know, you would expect us to, to beat on our own ground and maybe get a point at theirs you know that's sort of that's sort of what we ought to be aiming for once you start getting into October the fixtures get an awful lot more difficult so I think we really do need to rack up a fair few points over the next few weeks and then we can start to breathe a little bit more easily ask me again in three weeks time and then I'll give you an assessment of where I think we are well I think in the pre-season pod I think I think we're going to finish 10th so you know we're on we're on course for that after after two games <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. It could be Wrexham. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But in, no, in all seriousness, I think that um, the Doncaster result interested me in many ways because I think a few of the preseason things I read, they were reasonably fancied for a sort of playoff place. But Donny, I think they've, I think they've spent a bit of money and they've brought some players in. So it may be, it may be they haven't had a chance to gel yet because they looked at sixes and sevens in that game to me. Also, for the for the off the field side as well, um, as long as we keep looking like a side that will survive. It works in our favour for any potential investor. Yeah. If we are this season's basket case and we get to Christmas and we've got seven points, then no one's going to be interested in a side that's almost certainly going down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, that's I a think great that's... point, Reese. And I think our greatest asset is the fact that we're, you know, a League Two club. And if we can be seen to be surviving and thriving at that level, that that's our that's our big selling point, isn't it, to any investor. So if if any of the two or three or whoever interested parties was there in the sunshine on Saturday. That That's great, isn't it? That's got to be good for us. Right then, uh, we'll move on to player of the pod. Anyone got uh, any suggestions? I think there's there was good performances all round. I'd give it to Wildig, personally. I thought he was the thought he was the glue that stitched everything together. So I thought it was a really, really good performance. It, it's hard to pick any of them out. It really is. And, you know, there will be other days where the defence perhaps deserved to get there 
um, their moment in the spotlight for for doing so well. You know, a clean sheet was was good, but obviously it's a day where you're celebrating the attacking threat. And I think it probably does have to go to Evans because two goals from a player who maybe has had slightly lumpy form at best when it comes to scoring goals is a, a, a great thing. And it clearly meant the world to him. And he took both of them really, really well. So um, I think it does have to go to Evans, but um, I, I can completely see where Ian's coming from. I think Wildig was, was great. I loved Morris's industry. I thought Delaney looked great. And yeah, Seb, obviously, for a, a young man to play as well as he did and to come back from that miss the week before. But yeah, it's it's Will Evans and I'm I'm going to be the Will Evans fan club all season. So uh, yeah, get used to it. I really like Delaney. He, you can tell he's played at a higher level and he just looks quite assured. He reads the game well. If you look at how he positions his body when the ball's in the air, he knows when he's not going to get it and when he is and he's ready for it. Apart from one heart-in-mouth moment where he chopped the guy when he was in the air, he, he was superb all game. But like you say, everyone everyone's worthy of a mention, but you can't overlook a, a brace from, from Will Evans. He's two off last season's goal tally now, so you'd expect him to beat it with uh, 40-odd games to go in the league. Shout-outs or beefs this week, gents? I've got one shout-out, and that's to Donny Rover's kit. They were away from home, but no funky green away kit or whatever it is that they play in. They, they came along and they played in their, their proper red and white hoops. So it looked perfect for me. They were playing in, there's no clash of colours. You play in your kits. And that's my, that's my, that's my big shout out. And I know we have to have away kits and all that sort of stuff. I get it. But you should wear them when there's a clash. And I will die on that hill. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, Nathan Wood, who came on with with five minutes uh, to go to make his professional debut, uh, and yeah, his first appearance for for Newport, uh, first proper appearance for Newport County, uh, the club you know he supported as a child, um, but not so much for what he did on the pitch. But um, afterwards, I hung around with my youngest to um, get a few autographs, and you know, three players came out: Nick Townsend, um, Seb Palmer Holden. You know, they're really really good. Um, but yeah, Nathan Wood, you could see just how chuffed he was to be to be there you know it was a really nice thing to see he was pleased to get on the pitch in the game after the match he was delighted to be off signing autographs for kids he um hung around and chatted and he is now my seven-year-old's favorite Newport County player for the way that he he just stood there and talked to him and I thought that was great because you know often the players who spend the most time talking to the ones who've got kids of their own or whatever but you know Nathan Wood is a young man he just clearly got it you know and really understood like what that meant so um I thought fair play to him. He's uh, he's made a good impression on me and on my kids. So um, well done, Nathan. Well done, him. Um, I got one minor beef. Photographers, why are you sat in front of the clock? No one in one of the stands can see how many, how long's gone in the game. The entire game, we're like it's it's three minutes and something, but I have no <laughs> idea what the first number is. Could be sixty three, could be seventy three. Not really sure. Just move two yards to the right or the left. I'll go down there with some white paint and mark out a technical area, <laughs> an exclusion zone around the uh, around the boards. We'll get Nicola to have a word. Or we've got that big screen above the away end. Put the clock on there. There we go. Either one. You've solved. But the if that's the worst thing, if that's the worst thing I can come up with for a game, then uh, we're doing all right, aren't we? Doing okay, definitely. So that concludes the Doncaster review. But we've got other content to bring you in this episode. We're recording this on Monday night, but we're hoping that listener Dan Williams is going to send us a report from the crew game that Ed is going to slot in seamlessly here. Over to you, Dan. Hi, Ed. Yeah, same team as Saturday. Lots of enthusiasm on the on the bus. Everyone's hoping for a similar result. Hopefully we can press hard from the first minute like we did Saturday. Fingers crossed we keep Mickey and Courtney quiet at the county. Just into the ground. Plenty of optimism around the county ends. I'm personally hoping that uh, Scott Bennett puts another performance in like he did on Saturday and uh, Chelsea will bid for him. Then the financial worries of the club will be over. A couple of minutes before our time, Kyle Jameson's gone down. Will be a big miss for the county. He's been outstanding, winning the ball. On the ball, not so good, but he's very commanding. He's got pace, he's strong. This will be a big worry if he stays down. I would personally say that the first goal was a foul on Townsend and then our goal was a foul on their keeper. So fair game. Getting to see Mickey score against County, but fingers crossed. One one at half time. Carl Jameson's gone off. I do worry now for Newport if we get another injury at centre half. We've got Sebri who's gone to right centre half and we've got the captain Delaney at the left side. We've Drysdale and Clark both injured. If we get another injury at the, at the back, we really are 
risking it with potentially Scott Bennett playing centre-half. Much as I love him. Crew had a great chance just before half-time. Ball across the box. But nothing come to it. If Kenny keep playing this way, then the, the pre-season thoughts of relegation, are, it's not happening. We, we are playing some good football. We're pressing hard with Will Evans and Seth Palmer holding up front. Aaron Will digging behind. This is team too good to go down. And the biggest disappointment is seeing Mickey Dimitri score against Newport County. 1-1 one, one at half-time. Come on, Laporte. We should win this 2-1. Half-time. 2-1 at crew. Mickey Dimitri. Simple marking at the back post. We let him, let him get too much space. He's literally talking to the man at the free kick. Before taking a free kick. He's put it straight on a plate for him. He scored. As a Newport fan, it's very difficult to see Mickey Dimitri score against us. But that's 2-1 crew. Two goals to our captain, Mickey Dimitri. Penalty conceded by Sebri, sloppy at the back. Ever since half time, we've looked at a different side. It's sloppy, no cohesion. No Upsets. Luckily, it's not Mickey for the hat trick. It's the only silver lining in this very bad claim. Free work crew, penalty dispatched. Times had no chance. 4 1, easy goal. Down our right. I don't know where McLaughlin or Sebri were. Very disappointing considering where we were at half time. It's all gone to, I won't say the words, but very simple goal on crew. Great finish, but simple, simple. We're backing off, backing off, backing off. We just slotted into the corner. Claims no chance. 4 1. 4 2. Great goal by Harry Charles. He played in by Shane McLaughlin down the right. Unbelievable finish. Still a little bit of hope. Come on, Newport. Benno's gone off, Terry Waits on, Nathan Woods on, and Matty Bonswell's on. Amazingly, Harry Charlesley is one of the ones that's come off. He's just scored a great goal. He's off. Nathan Woods on, James Waits on, and Matty Bonswell's on. Just like Scott Bennett's off, Harry Charlesley, and I haven't. I said I'm holding the third one off. Good spell of pressure for the county. Matty Bonswell denied a penalty. Central hand boys been booked. County on the attack now. Nathan Wood then the right. 4 2 full time. Spirited effort from Newport, but second half we just fell to pieces after Carl Jameson went off. Seemed to lose our shape and our determination in the press. Two good chances for James Waite in stoppage time, but all little too late really. We go on to Saturday, fingers crossed. Forrest Green and Port and Crew, because Crew really stepped up on the second half. and. Big respect to Mickey Dimitri at the end, coming over to the county fans. County legend, unfortunately scored two goals and we, we've lost by two goals. Well on Saturday at the county, I've been Dan Williams, thank you very much. Hopefully I've been more Alan Hansen and Alan Partridge, but I expect it's more Ben Partridge. Aha. Thank you very much, Dan, for that report. As always, if any listeners are attending away games, which we're not able to make, please do drop us a line and uh, we'll talk you through the best way to submit something for our pod. Our final bit of business today is an interview which Ed recorded a few weeks back about Newport City FC. We had a direct message pop up on Twitter uh, earlier in the year from one of the co-owners um, saying that their board has exciting plans and want to get as many county fans as possible to adopt City as their second team. This obviously piqued our interest, so we set up a chat to find out more. It's a great chat covering grassroots football in Gwent, relationships between City and county and news of a signing who may be familiar to some of the county fans. Well, I'm joined by our two guests from Newport City, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So, Mike, you go on, you go first. Yeah, thanks, Ed, for um, having us. So, uh, I'm Mike. I've, um, I'm one of the co-owners of Newport City, part of the, uh, the board behind the scenes, working on the operational side diligently to, to build the club. Over to you, Sam. I am first team manager, but co-owner of the club as well. And have been the sole owner of the club for the last seven years before uh, Mike joined in. Fantastic. Well, welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast. Um, I mean, let's just start off with the basics for those who perhaps aren't paying close attention. Newport City's men's team currently play in the Ardell Southeast League. That's that's the third step of Welsh football, the same league as our old friends Undy Athletic, uh, but also teams like Chepstow Town, Liswery. Newport City most 
Newport County fans will know of them as being Flanwern AFC up until 2016. Um, and of course, for playing home games at Spitty Park, our old stomping ground and where County do the bulk of our training. So have I got all of that right, first of all, just in terms of context? Yes. Good. Fantastic. And and let's start then by hearing a bit about your journey. How did you first get involved with Newport City? And tell us a bit about the setup behind the scenes. OK, so seven, uh, it's about seven seasons ago now. I left uh, my role at Pontypriv Town and came to what was just on the turn from Lamwern to Newport City. So Newport City um, had just finished the season uh, before as Lamwern. Came on board when they were in the old Welsh League setup. So you had Division uh, 1, 2 and 3. Came on board when they were uh, minus four points, bottom of the league. Massive task to stay up. But the main thing was just coming into what was uh, known as a bit of a sleeping giant. Obviously, like you said there, playing at Spitty. Um, the potential was huge. Um, it's the best facility in, well, one of the best in all the Welsh leagues in the tiers. Obviously, County have played there at a higher level than what Welsh League is currently. So the setup was great. Everything was there. But I took over at a time, or came in at a time, sorry, just to be manager when there was an owner who, after me joining, quickly just left the club in a financial hole. So it's been a bit of an up, uh, uphill challenge with the team. And I kind of took on everything quickly by myself, along with a few volunteers at the club, uh, Alan and Di, who'd been there for years with Lamwern. Um, and yeah, just years and years of kind of digging deep. You've mentioned other clubs there. All clubs at our level do exactly the same with digging deep. And then obviously COVID hitting, just creating a whole new level of mess led to me luckily stumbling across, or I say luckily, uh, Mike stumbling across ourselves as a club. And then in came Mike to uh, to join the firm. Listen, it is not without the years of dedication, sacrifice, blood, sweat, and I'm pretty sure many tears that Sam's put into this. He's He's got a young family trying to juggle work and football is all-consuming. You can't underplay the amount of credit he deserves for keeping the club going. So I was working in youth football. So when I started, and this was, this was ironically coming out of COVID or during COVID. So I ended up obviously pausing work, um, had having having run my own business for 20 plus years, decided to kick it on. I'm a child of the uh, elite pathway over in the English FA system. So um, wanted to sort of pass on what I knew to them, took it into elite level uh, or development level over here. Um, and then within the changing landscape, it was pointed out to me that Newport City had a senior team, but was without the youth. My beliefs were that we could, in Gwent, be doing more with engagement with the community, providing opportunities. It baffled me how the region, the southeast, was so stagnant when it came to um, providing players opportunities, the success stories of the South Central Block and the South uh, West of Wales seems to be streets ahead. So it almost became a, a mission, if you like, to try and re-engage Gwent with the footballing pathway. So I was going to ask about that, just in terms of your impressions coming in, in terms of Newport as a footballing city and the the relationships that you've inherited with, you know, the FAW, with Newport County, with the kind of Gwent Leagues, and, you know, just how you found that in terms of, yeah, to come in and want to try and do something different the, within that. The really simple way to put this, we do not have a Cymru Prem side in this part of the world, and Gwent deserves it for whatever reason that is, whether it be through facilities. It's it, One thing that it's not is it's not down to the talent of the players. It's not down to the talented children, right? It's down to how many of those children are aware and get the opportunities to go on and kick on, right? And this is about grassroots working within that area of the tier to ensure that kids have the opportunity to discover football, to fall in love with the game, and then give opportunities to those talented individuals to go on and make the most of their footballing journey, right? So the relationship with the FAW is progressive. They are actively looking to improve Welsh football, uh, invest in grassroots. The relationships with the pro clubs, not just with County, but with Swansea and Cardiff. The stat that I got given from Cardiff was that 10 years ago, 80% of the Cardiff Academy squad was made up of kids from Gwent, inner city Newport kids. Nowadays, it's 5%, right? So 
we need to be making sure that all areas of Newport are engaged with, that they've got opportunities. We're working with areas like uh, or, or, or associations like Kid Care down in Pill. There's 100 kids from 8 to 11 that are just kicking a ball around, but not engaged in a games programme. So what Newport City did when it was pointed out to me was allowed us to take a club to reach into the hearts of the community, to be able to access uh, or provide the opportunities for the children through the coaching to give them an experience to take clubs like Cardiff, to take players that had been in a, in a pro game environment who want to then give back to the children to inspire those kids that are clearly still discovering and falling in love with it and then use Newport City as the vehicle to get them going. All roads lead to senior football and in order to get the motivation and the love throughout the years we have to make sure that that first team continues to work its way up through the leagues and and ultimately if we can then crack that Cymru Prem as quickly as possible establish ourselves as a um, a top flight Welsh football club your clubs like Penny Bond are clearly the model they've been they galvanise the community they've got Europe and what that does is bring with it adventure and inspiration and what's the relationship like with Newport County? So with the academy, they could be doing more. Listen, I'll, I'll have this same conversation with people within Newport County Academy. We can, we need to make sure that we work together. They are the end of the pathway, aren't they? But what we want to be making sure that we're doing is working alongside county because it is infuriating when kids from Gwent, who clearly have an identity, right? And if they are leaving the region to go elsewhere and travel across the other side of the country... I don't think we need to do that, right? I think that we can make sure that if county have got their uh, setup right, then we can make sure that we are putting them at the end of our pathway so that when we are developing and providing those opportunities, there are evidence and examples of those kids that are getting shots with county. And the relationship is good, right? The games engagement, we make sure that uh, all age groups that we are still playing games, we've got, we've had conversations, we try to do, last year in, a, in quite a complex environment, uh, a Gwent Cup. And we'll keep having that conversation to try and re-engage that. And that was that was, that was was Gwent clubs, including Newport County, that just provided a little round robin and the age groups just competed for um, a bit of a bit of um, extra development. And it, and it worked for the brief time that we were able to do that. It was it was something that we needed to continue. Stuff like this all the time, the conversations will take place. The more we can do, the more we're going to get. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it strikes me as really interesting because, as you say, a, a big city like Newport and a big, well-populated county like Gwent can support a professional football team within the Football League and also a successful, flourishing team within the, the, the Cymru divisions. But part of it, I suppose, is the historic thing of Newport's relationship with the, the Welsh Leagues following you know what happened in the, the 80s and 90s has obviously been a, a, a tricky one. And then part of it is just people get into habits, isn't it, in terms of, of where they're going to watch their football, which kind of brings me on to the thing I was going to ask about about Spitty Park, because obviously, uh, you know, a lot of us have memories of, of watching County at Spitty Park, some good, some not so good, you know, the rain coming in horizontally through the through the stand. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it could be a yeah unprepossessing place to, to watch your football. But at the same time, you know, fantastic memories there winning the Blue Square South and all the rest of it. So, I mean, Sam, you described it earlier as being a great facility, which kind of I, I raised a, a little eyebrow at. But then again, you know, compared to some of the the other teams in your league, actually, that that is certainly true. And I just wondered how you find it as a venue, what crowds you you are getting, what crowds you hope to get, and also just how you manage it on a day to day basis when you've got counties team using it for training. So, there's a few elements to that question for you. You can go where you want with it. In terms of a hub for a sports village, the way it's been grown and developed is is brilliant. The frustrating part is the location is in we're outside of the city, so it's more challenging to get there than it is Rodney Parade. Um, people have got to obviously come out, don't need to drive, they get public transport, they can walk. But as as it goes, everything in the city centre is easier. That's just life. So that definitely can hold back in terms of crowd numbers. Obviously. It's great to have the cricket club and we've got a great link with them and there's a bar there and facilities there for food and drink. Absolutely brilliant. But it's not town. It's not the city centre. So that's definitely a frustrating thing for us, but we can't change that. And instead, what we can do with our match day experiences is make them different. So we're potentially looking for 
uh, not necessarily a dis- different crowd, but we can offer a different experience. And this is one which we've got a facility there where sharing it or county training on it is actually probably a good thing for us. Not necessarily the pitch itself, but a lot of fans will know that's where they train. A lot of rugby fans and when Newport Rugby play there and they're a superb club within the city. Um, and then you've got ourselves. So what the facility has to offer is great. And, you know, it's not Rodney Parade, OK, but we've I've, I've seen our pitch in 10 times better condition than Rodney Parade. I can tell you that for free. It's only because what they've done now and how good it's looking now with what they've done ground staff wise that it's kind of at that elite level. But what Newport Live do with our pitch and the grounds with our facility means we are up there. And you mentioned the Undies, Chepstow's. Uh, Liz Verries, um, every single club that comes to play us has got their phones out straight away. And like you said, the the history that's within that stadium, with our club as well, um, it's a great place to be. And, uh, you know, I think that our match day experiences, when we've had crowds now, you mentioned what numbers we've had. I've been there where we've had four or five, like generally four or five people turn up. To last season, I think Four ninety, maybe slightly more for our game against Lisbury. People coming in afterwards could have pushed the five hundred, which is an incredible feat at um, our level. Uh, I mean, that's that's not far off the the sort of crowds that we were getting in Conference South, which was when I first started yeah. going to watch County. You know, so yeah, that that sounds quite positive. And you're obviously having a big push ahead of the new season. I saw that you've got um, season tickets out available now, 75 quid for adults, 25 quid for children, including a replica shirt in the in the bargain. So, you know, do you think that's going to get you over that 500 mark a little bit more going into next season? Oh, I know 100% it will. I've, I Honestly, it sounds ridiculous. We're targeting a thousand. I am anyway. I think with uh, a team, as long as we on the pitch can create something that's enjoyable to watch, obviously, um, those who come to a match day experience, um, I'm not saying would, would necessarily feel more involved, but the welcome, we appreciate every single person comes down, whether it's a, a four or five year old coming around and coming down to get a fruit juice and come down with their parents or someone who uh, might be watching or supporting or football, a football lover for years um, and in the older generation that's coming down just to see what's on offer. But as a club, players, volunteers, people who've been in the club for years, that level of appreciation is every single person that comes is supporting a grassroots team. You know, it's, it's gaining momentum. People are coming down and realising for £5, or if you're under 18 for free, it's a bargain to come down and watch what is... We haven't had a nil-nil for four years at the ground. Whether it's... Look, we could have six or seven going against us at times, and it's not entertaining for me, but for mm-hmm. a new someone coming down has been nothing short of entertainment and um yeah i think i think it's an absolute bargain i'll be honest with you when you get when you get 350 only 350 people in and the and you score you get a raw right and that is the marker right so the whole idea with the love of club building is to generate that fan base right we are rekindling the old um Lamwern heroes from the club of yesteryear making sure that they get an opportunity to come and watch what is quite an exciting new, I hate to use the word product. When you watch it, you get excited, right? You want people to be coming back. Our target this year was to use, um, look at what good looks like. And, you know, good for um, our level is Merthyr Tidville, um, that they constantly get an average uh, attendance of 500 plus, 500 to 750 plus. You look at the Merthyr compared to Newport, again, the catchment, the size of head of population in Newport should be a no-brainer, right? So as long as we can provide entertainment, and we've got to create our own story now. So this is this is the journey that we're on, the the momentum that we'll build, the first few games of the season, the where are we at Christmas, that run-in, all of that will be little subplots throughout the year. So yeah, the season tickets, the 75 quid gets you access to hopefully the first chapter of what will be quite a good quite a good story. You've got the the cheap season tickets. You've got the familiar surroundings of Spitty Park. You've got the fact that Newport County are in Division 4 North this season. So, you know, there's all the away games at your Barrows, your Doncasters, your Grimsby's when there will be lots of county fans not wanting to uh, do battle with the M6. So um, (laughs) as well as that kind of push factor, I guess, that may push people your way. Um, in terms of pull factors, as well as the entertainment you've talked about, you know, what about the the plans for this season? 
signings. I understand there may be some familiar faces on the horizon. So tempt us in with some of that as well. Uh, last year was a challenging one for us, just in case anyone doesn't know. We had four points at Christmas. We were looking doomed and relegation was uh, staring us right in the face. And we, we had a transfer window last year where we tr- we were treated like a professional club, but we weren't in a professional environment. Um, so we were losing players. We were thin on the ground. And, yeah, we had to pull together as a team and every single person within the club pulled together to pick up 30 points after Christmas, which was incredible and never done before at this level to do that. And it was credit to everyone involved. So, But we knew that to go on with the ambitions that we have at the club, we needed to then go out and be active during this kind of summer window and pre-season. So we're on 17 new signings at the moment. And then a few weeks back, we had picked up um, a bit of a lead to obviously Matt Green, who's a legend for ourselves. He started his whole playing career at Newport County and then Cardiff City. And then he's Mansfield Town legend, Salford City. And then as soon as I heard that he could be interested in ending his career where it began with a bit of a story yeah, yeah. all the way around, um, not at County, but obviously in Newport, um, it got myself excited and then when that kind of reality became true and he turned up to training and then was involved and signed the forms, we are now in a position where we've got a bit of a bit of a superstar there who's come in and joined the club along with some outstanding players this year that have all the ability in the world to propel this club into a position this year of a, of a challenge. Like it's like every level of football, there's everyone in the same boat. Everyone wants to win games of football. But we've put ourselves in a fantastic position so far to not just deliver on the pitch, but people like Matt Green who's doing so much off the pitch and will do so much off the pitch for the club um, with the children, with everything that's inspiring those children who are coming through because he's done the full pathway. He's gone all the way through and done all that hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's played at the, the level. He's pushed himself to the highest level he can get to and he's coming back round and he's kind of giving back. So in my opinion... Obviously, I'm the manager as well here, so I'll be careful about the expectations put myself, but it's an exciting season ahead, that's for sure. How's he looking in training? (laughs) Unbelievable. His (laughs) level of finishing and the the respect the players instantly gave him, not because of what he's done, but because of what he's still doing. Uh, 36 years old, he won't mind me saying it, and fit as a fiddle. Um, Yeah, I think he got nine goals in his first training session in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Who else should should we be looking out for in the squad? Um, oh, there's lots this year. There's a lad, Robbie Atkinson, who's been um, outstanding uh, for years now and he needs to reach his potential. We've got a lad who's come with Matty Green called Ishi, who's been playing in uh, in England over the bridge. He's outstanding as well. Um, and then there's a, there's a little gem in there, uh, a lad called Tom Pearson, who was at Chepstow last year. Um, he'd been out and played some trade in America, local boy. Um, he's from Newport. Um, he's come back around and he's himself and a lad called Joe Ward there's a lot of local boys who Spitty is the place that they've grown up knowing they've been Newport County fans and now for them to play on that pitch is um, is generally a really big deal yeah they're itching to play for the club and I think those are the boys that really are going to alongside those others who might have travelled from Cardiff or Caerphilly or wherever they might be all the lads from Bristol um, they're, they're pulling together really well and, and it's going to take a bit of time to gel but we've got some cracking little players in there there is a there is a tangible link between first team coaching and under sevens coaching, right? Where the first team coach is involved from top to bottom, bottom to top, right? And a conversation with with Matt Green was based on not just coming in to wind down. The guy is genuinely in love with the idea that you can give back now. That you know dreams and wishes and all the rest of it. That every kid that's coming through now looks at him as an idol. And, and the personality that 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 Matty's got, that Ishi's got, that the other players, that it's rubbing off on other players as well, that they've got time before training and after training to talk to the other kids that are before and after them, right? Kids are coming to the ground to come and watch them, see them score a couple of goals, create a little chant, and then they'll go and have a little conversation about working hard, keeping your head, you know, keeping your feet on the ground, keeping your head right, making good decisions. And these are players that, again, these are Gwent kids. And this is now when we want to build this culture that is, it's not about one individual. It's not about, you know, a bit of motivation and a bit of enthusiasm that will, you know, over time pass. This is about building a legacy for generations to come. We are the proverbial custodians of this club. We'll do the best that we can do. But what we want to make sure that we do is if we're going to work to build, it is as if, we're going to hand this club over to our children. 
And just one other thing, because I mean, you've talked about the the youth pathway, you've talked about the men's first team, but you've also got a, a successful women's team up and running, right? Because it's something that I've seen county fans talking about over the last few weeks that, you know, Swansea have got a women's team that's doing well. Cardiff have got a women's team that's doing well. Wrexham have got a women's team that's doing well. Where's Newport in all of this? And the, the answer is that although county aren't doing anything in that space, Newport City are. Um, and yeah, so tell us just a little bit about the, the women's team as well. It's really simple for me, right? There is, you know, equally as much kudos at the end of success with a senior ladies team as everyone with a men's team. So we sat at the end of last season and went, go on then. It's a bit of a race to see who can who can get to the top first, right? Yeah. So it's all about creating that North Star, right? So equally as much um, investment as in time um, and commitment goes into that, that first team, that senior ladies side. And then what we want to do is to work on that girl's pathway. There is so much talent that needs to be harvested. We just need to make sure that what we, if we can help provide that inspiration, then we will continue to get more girls right the way from the get-go from playing in mixed age groups, you know, on, on those, on those boggy, marshy, grassy fields. And then we'll create again a a pathway to allow them to go and make the most of their opportunities. They've had loads, by the way. They had um, a cup final last year. and Mm. I want to say there's over 500 people down there watching it. With us as a club, it took off. One day we just said, shall we do a women's team? A couple of women came for a kick around. Then we had 40. It was literally, it went from four to 40 within weeks. And now we've got not just the first team, a development team, I think we've got over 40 this season at the moment kind of signed up to play. Um, and we've got a Welsh international, uh, she's 18, who's been training with us. So it shows, I think at the moment, the pathway for a female player to get to the top and elite level is, is quicker because there's not as many steps for them to go through. And I think with women's football at the moment, it's got a real buzz around it. The girls just love being part of a team, being on a football pitch and they those ones that take it serious have got a real good place for them to go at the moment and they're looked after because yeah i know our women absolutely thoroughly enjoy playing football week in week out it's brilliant to watch i'm going to finish with a few uh quick fire questions if that's if that's okay sam just tell us what's the first home game that you got this season breck and corrie's wednesday 23rd of august get that in your diaries listeners and if there was one game this season that you thought Newport County fans should try and get to? If we could say, right, you know, on a weekend when we're away in, yeah, I, I feel bad picking on Barrow, but that is the furthest one. If there's, you know, the weekend that we, we can't get to watch County or it's expensive and difficult and all the rest of it, where, you know, 500 Newport County fans all turning up at Spitty Park to get behind Newport City would make a massive difference. What would that one game be? Friday, 24th of November, Lizberry home. Oh, like that's not the one that that's just the one that is on the doorstep. Huge rivalry, absolutely massive game. Um, but secretly, I've got to chuck in 22nd of September, Friday night, Chapter. I've not been them in seven years. <laughs> For me, I, I could say Newport County fans come down and help me out. It's Friday, the 22nd of September. I need every single person to help me. We will we will try and make sure we're pushing some of those over the course of the season. So again, you know, as as fixtures develop, keep us posted if there are any that you'd like us to push. Um, a few questions that listeners sent our way. So um, some of these I suspect are more straightforward than others. This one I suspect is a, a gimme. If Newport County were to ask you for a friendly match, what would your answer be? They better bring their best players. I don't think we've got enough to bring a second eleven at the moment, Mike. <laughs> so I think you you get the best eleven. Um, have you ever considered having some sort of agreement with Newport County to take some of our uh, academy players on loan? We need to make sure that the that the league is right, that the the arrangement is right. But yeah, one hundred percent, that is that is that's that's on our agenda for the future. Yeah, excellent. And the last one was: Would you ever consider some sort of joint season ticketing arrangement with Newport County? Yes, you <laughs> need to tell us what it is that we can do to get county fans hooked. We want to get some ultras down there, banging some drums and making some noise, right? So when those when those valley teams come down, we show them what Gwent really sounds and looks like. 
you're talking to the wrong man and then like i'll come along with my thermos of uh <laughs> of hot, hot bovril and my blanket but yeah i'll have to i'll have to talk to the, some of the youngsters about getting the ultras down there but we will we will do our best listen gents it has been um a, a real pleasure um all the best for next season we will keep a close eye on results and perhaps we can catch up and keep tabs on the season as it uh progresses um but before we finish is there anything that you wanted to add any final thoughts or anything that you you wanted to say that i've not asked you I was just to say thank you for this and shining a bit of a light here because I, we we do at the club we want to see Newport County do well. We we are supporters of Newport County. We talk about our club, but everything Newport, every single club in Newport, we want to see succeed. And uh, I think by coming together as a community, like it sounds cheesy, is the way forward. I can't understand people that knock down other teams. It's the same for Lisbury, our biggest rivals, or Newport Corries, our neighbours. It's all about promoting sport and participation and enjoying something that we all love. So I just want to thank you for shining a light on our club. It's been something we've been trying to do for so long now. And yeah, I'm just excited if we can if we can get some guys down. And I know we support County all the way, that's for sure. There we go, County fans. It's your chance to party like it's 2007 and watch <laughs> Matt Green bang in some hat-tricks at Spitty Park and relive your youth. Thanks very much, Mike. Thank you very much, Sam. Thanks, thank guys. you, Ed. Thanks, Ed, Mike and Sam for that. Make sure you put those dates in your diary. Newport City versus Brecon Corries on the 23rd of August. Uh, they're also at home to Chepstow on Friday the 22nd of September and have a big game against Lisweri on Friday the 24th of November. All of those are at Spitty Park and it'd be great to see a good turnout of county fans there. All that remains is for me to thank my panel of Ed and Ian and our various guests. We'll be back next week with some reaction to the Forest Green match as well as an interview with BBC Wales' Rob Phillips, which is well worth a listen. We'll speak again, but in the meantime, as always, keep it county. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.